The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hi, it's Lindsay Banks with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today, we have a special episode for you. It's a part of our Business Toolbox webinar series designed to give practical and useful advice to small and mid-sized businesses. The series is a collaboration between the Charlotte Ledger and Catapult. Today's episode features a conversation with Ledger editor Tony Messia and Catapult's Martha Barker about exploring healthcare options and building your benefits package. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Tony Messia of the Charlotte Ledger. And I'm happy to welcome you to the third of three weekly webinars in this Business Toolbox series, which is a collaboration between the Charlotte Ledger and the Employers Association Catapult. This series is designed to help small and mid-sized businesses address common challenges. Today's topic is Build Your Benefits Package, Exploring Healthcare Options. You can find the two previous sessions in this series on avoiding legal headaches and recruiting and retaining workers on installments of the Charlotte Ledger podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned, this webinar series is the result of a collaboration between Catapult and the Charlotte Ledger. Catapult leverages 65 years of HR experience to serve more than 2,000 employers across North Carolina and beyond. Catapult's HR and business experts help employers address immediate and long-term challenges with customized solutions, trusted advice, exclusive resources, data-driven insights, and a vibrant member community. You can learn more about Catapult at letscatapult.org. The Charlotte Ledger, which I edit, is a digital publication that delivers smart, original, business-minded news and insights for Charlotte, primarily through an assortment of email newsletters. We think Charlotte deserves more relevant and credible sources of information, and we're working to build that. If that sounds good to you, you can find out more and sign up for our newsletters at thecharlotteledger.com. We're talking today with Martha Barker of Catapult, Martha leads Catapult's third-party benefits administration and has more than 12 years of experience in consumer-driven health plans and COBRA administration. She finds passion in providing employers with the tools and resources they need to offer great employee benefits while remaining competitive and compliant. Martha, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Tony. I'm happy to be here. So Martha and I are going to have a discussion for about 20 minutes, and then we'll definitely leave time for your questions. And if you have questions, Please put them in the chat and we'll get to them. We're going to talk about anything and everything having to do with healthcare and benefits, including trends in costs, the pros and cons of different coverage options, tips on finding health insurance plans, and more. And I just want to say and acknowledge that this can be a complex topic and there's no such thing as a dumb question. So feel free to ask any questions you have in the chat. We're not presuming that you have any knowledge of this topic. And I say this in part to cover myself for any questions that I might ask. It might be very basic, but it, we just need to kind of unpack it, I think, and sort of try and explain it as much as we can in, in plain English. So, Martha, let's just start with a general question. And what kind of trends are we seeing nowadays when it comes to costs? And do you have any good news for us? Not a whole lot of good news. Sorry, guys. I hate to start it this way. That's so funny. Unfortunately, the, the health insurance market just continues to increase as far as premiums and employers are the ones taking the or absorbing the, the biggest amount of the cost. The reason for this is, is a very tight labor market, but also inflation. 
So of course, as an employer, the last thing you want to do is increase the cost share that your employees are paying for their health insurance premiums. And what I mean by that is most employers will pay about 80% of the total health insurance premium, and then the employees have a cost share of 20%. So as of, the, as of right now, the, the increase of premiums just continue to rise. It doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. So one of the things that we need to make sure as employers is that we're offering maybe other types of benefits or ancillary benefits to go along with that health insurance that we're providing our employees. So are there any types of solutions? I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what can I do as an employer? I see these costs going up. What can I do to try to, you know, save some money or... Is there yeah, other alternatives question. or different places to look or? So to, to lower the health cost for your, you know, for your entire group plan, one of the things that we need to kind of remember is that 80-20 rule. And the 80-20 rule is 20% of your plan members are absorbing or are responsible for 80% of the total cost. So we want to make sure that as employers, we're figuring out who that 20% is. You will know at the end of the year, it's just those employees that are, you know, that are having lots of surgeries that maybe are purchasing very expensive prescriptions, obviously not by choice, but, you know, maybe they have some serious health problems or they're being hospitalized multiple times during the plan year. So once you identify who that 20% is, then we can start thinking, okay, what, what can we offer these employees to better their lives? And it could be something as simple as a wellness program, although a wellness program can be very broad. But, you know, a lot of the expenses that are, are high, that are incurred at a high cost are employees with, with joint problems. So like back and, and spine issues. Are there things that maybe as employers we can offer to help alleviate that a little bit? A standing desk, maybe, or a wellness program that helps them or encourages them to maybe move a little bit more. So there are, there are things that we can do as employers to lower a little bit of the cost. Will it, will it eliminate it? No, but we can definitely help them. And what about shopping around for different plans? I mean, if I've been with the same you know, broker, yes. the same plan for a long time. Does it make sense to look around and, you know, see what other options are out there? When do yeah. I do that? How do I do that? What makes Oh, good question. So one of the things that employers, you know, sometimes we just get caught up on that status quo, right? Kind of like, let's, let's talk about Netflix. You know, Netflix started with what, like $8 per month subscriptions, and then it's gone higher and higher and higher every year. And because we love Netflix, we use Netflix, we just continue to pay. They've got some pretty good shows. You got to admit, they've got some pretty uh, oh, good shows. Yes, I am. I'm binging quite a few right now. <laughs> but with health insurance, we can't think of it like that. We can't just say like, well, it's only another $1,000 or $2,000 or or whatever the, the increment is, right? So it's okay to shop around. It's okay to ask your broker, which you really, really should have one. Ask your broker, hey, this year, can you look at something other than what we have been currently giving our employees? 
Are there anything else that maybe we could add? Could we add a high deductible health plan if we're only offering a PPO? What does that look like? Your broker is going to be your best friend. Your broker is there for you to help you navigate through not only the cost for the for the health insurance, but also the services that that health insurance is going to provide you and your employees. So don't feel don't feel afraid or bad to shop around. Don't be afraid or or bad about asking your broker for other options because that's really what their job is. How do I know if I have a good broker? Should I start looking for a different broker? And how yeah. do I find a broker anyway? Yeah. Oh, there's many places that you can find brokers. Of course, there's a lot of brokerage firms in the United States. There's several in North Carolina. One of the things that you want to make sure that you're looking for in a broker is that they work for you. So, and you can tell not all brokers are created equal. So a broker that works for you is going to give you multiple plan options. They're not just going to say, hey, let's go with Blue Cross and Blue Shield plan A, but they're going to give you different plan options and not just with Blue Cross, nothing wrong with Blue Cross, but they'll give you Aetna and Cigna pricing. They're also going to look at your employee population or your employee demographics. If you have a very young population, they should be looking for plans that are going to cover the, those needs. If you're, if you have an employee population that has maybe a lot of I don't want to call them older people because I don't think people over 50 are old necessarily, but maybe a lot of people over 50. Find a broker that's going to look for plans that are really going to benefit your employee demographic. That's how that's how you know. Also, if you're looking for a broker and, and you want to find a good one, make sure that you have a broker that's going to keep contact with you throughout the year. There are a lot of brokers that are, you know, kind of like set it and forget it, right? I'll see you at renewal. A good broker is going to be with you every step of the way. They should be checking with you at least quarterly. So if you have a broker that just kind of comes around right before your open enrollment season, that might not be the best broker line. That might not be the broker for you. So Constant contact is one of the, the best ways to see if you have a broker that you can trust. So if I'm an employer, how much is the typical cost of covering, you know, covering an employee? Oh, good question. Typically, the average is $13,800 per employee for the plan year. This, you know, this, this is the average. So it could be less for an individual with single coverage. It could be, you know, a little bit more if they have family coverage or employee plus spouse, employee plus dependent, et cetera. But the average is about $14,000 a year. Okay. And, you know, in our last webinar with Catapult's Kendra Stewart, she and I talked about recruiting and retaining employees and the job market is pretty tight. And so how does the job market and sort of what you need to offer to attract you know, employees, I mean, how is that? affecting health insurance and, and health insurance health insurance benefit programs. And I also want to mention if you have questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. But yeah, how's the how does the job market affecting health insurance? Yeah. It affects it in a huge way. At this point, I feel like a lot of a lot of individuals seeking employment are looking at the health insurance and in kind of like in a more in-depth way before COVID and I hate that we have to bring up COVID, but before COVID, it was just like, give me health insurance, it's fine. 
now after COVID, we're seeing a shift in people's minds because COVID made us realize how important having health insurance and having good health insurance is. So if you're looking to maybe enrich your benefits package, don't stop at health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance. If you can afford it as an employer, think of other ways to enrich your benefits package because that's going to not only attract more employees or the right employees, it's also going to keep your current employees happy. We talk a lot about new employees coming into our companies, but we also have to think about those that are already there and those that have been there for maybe, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. So instead of just thinking like, okay, I'm offering medical dental vision, what else can you add? One of the the trends that we're seeing right now is the increase of behavioral health services. And those are things like offering a good benefits assistance program or something like Heritage Care, which is a company that that does counseling like substance abuse. Uh, There is a survey out there that says that 73% of adults experience stress that affects their mental health. So if you have employees that are maybe really, really stressed out for whatever circumstance they're facing, that's going to decrease productivity. And we want to make sure that we're kind of facing that head on. Yeah, it just seems like mental health is such a big issue nowadays, um, you know, coming out of COVID, especially. I mean, or so you're saying employers are sort of ramping up some of those yes. coverages and some of those programs to kind of encourage folks to get the help that they need and, 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 and makes them better, more productive employees, I'm guessing. Right, right. If you have an employee that's not constantly thinking about, you know, maybe they're, let's say, depression or anxiety or they're having issues, you know, with with their families or or what have you. Employees that are constantly thinking about that are going to obviously not be as good work as as the the best workers that they can be. So the employee assistance programs that are offered can be a great solution. And there's, you know, employee assistance programs have been around for many many years. Most people just kind of think of it like you know, okay, I have an EAP, I don't, I don't need it. But now that we're seeing more and more mental health awareness, that kind of the bad notion of speaking to a counselor has, has dwindled a lot. So we're seeing a lot more employers offering those and those that had already maybe had it in their benefits package are bringing that forward to their employees. I want to talk a little bit about smaller businesses because I mean I'm guessing you know there are probably some folks who when they're they're starting off a business they're hiring employees but the idea of spending fourteen thousand dollars per employee is really overwhelming. If are there sort of half measures? Are there things that you can do for employees that are that is not sort of the full blown medical dental vision? You know as you're getting a business started as you're trying mm-hmm. to keep expenses under control. Yeah. So if you are a small employer, and that means under 50 full-time employees, you can offer a ancillary benefit called a qualifying small employer health reimbursement arrangement. In short, it's a QZERA. 
the Qsera is going to allow you to fund money into an employee's account to pay for premiums. So if you want to get out of the business of healthcare, right, you don't want to maybe hire a broker. You don't want to do this on your own because it can be quite daunting. You can open up a Qsera. And the Qsera is going to allow you as the employer to fund money into it so that employees can go into the marketplace or they can go directly to a Blue Cross Blue Shield or Aetna, you know, whatever they, they want, and then purchase the health insurance that's going to meet their needs. So it's, it's a great way to still offer some help for your employees without necessarily having to open up a group health plan yourself. And because of Qsera is it's an ancillary benefit, it's regulated by the IRS, there are some IRS regulations that need to be followed. One of them is that it has an IRS limit. So as an employer for self-only coverage, you can give your employees $5,850 for the plan year or for the year to use on health insurance. If they have family coverage, so family employee and spouse, employee dependent, et cetera, then you can give them up to 983, I'm sorry, $9,830 a year. I see in the chat, it looks like Beth has said, is this a good link? to dig into Qsera, healthcare, the healthcare.gov small business site, it looks like. It should be, yes. And then if you have any questions and you want to explore more about Qsera, just feel free to reach out to me. I can talk to you about Qsera all day long. And then let me just rephrase, the maximum for family coverage is actually $11,800 that the employer can put into that Qsera plan for their employees. Okay. And how important is it to listen to employees and to understand your employees and what they, what it is that they want? Like, for example, if you have a, you know, if you have a bunch of young employees who are under 26 who are on their, their parents' plan for, for whatever reason, I mean, knowing that seems like it could be sort of helpful, helpful to you. I mean, how yes, do you, what, what, what sort of things is it helpful to understand from your employees and what, what are the questions to ask? Yeah. Well, you need to understand, or we need to understand what our employees' priorities are and where they are in their lives. So like you said, Tony, if you have really young employees, so say you have a lot of employees that are just leaving college, right? So maybe they're, what, 24, 25? Health insurance is not top, top of mind. But if you have employees that are maybe in their 30s, close to their 40s, they are starting to get married, raise families. Okay, well, you need to start thinking about those as well because now you're you're going to be offering health insurance not just for those employees, but their families are more than likely going to be part of your health insurance plan as well. And of course that goes on to say for, you know, your employees that are maybe 50 and up, they tend to incur a lot of expenses, a lot of medical expenses just because where they are in life. So you have to think about their needs as well. One of the things that I always tell clients is make sure that you are serving your employees. What do they see as necessary or beneficial? And then from there, start working on your benefits package. Now, 
you're not going to be able to please everybody, right? But if you can at least figure out a good middle point, you can at least help those really young employees and maybe those employees that are a little older. Right. I know you and I had talked previously about lifestyle spending accounts. Can you talk a little bit about those? I think are, are those becoming more popular? What are they? How are they used? They are. So lifestyle spending accounts are post-tax accounts. So at some point, somebody's going to pay taxes on this and it's going to be the employee. So they're not like your typical ancillary benefits, your flexible spending accounts, health savings accounts, health reimbursement arrangements. The lifestyle spending accounts are great for those employers that want to do a little bit more, enrich their benefits package just a little bit more. With the lifestyle spending accounts, you as the employer decide what benefits or what services you want to cover. One of the things to keep in mind is that they can't be health covered. It can't be health expenses or health services. However, um, if let's say you have a lot of young employees, maybe they're not thinking too much of, about health insurance as a great benefit, which it really is, but they have hobbies that they want to you know, pursue. Okay, you can set up a lifestyle spending account to help them pursue those hobbies, whether it is a class for painting or maybe they just really like to work out. You can use a lifestyle spending account to cover gym equipment or gym memberships. If you have, I actually had a call with a client a couple of months ago. They have a lot of single mothers in their, in their firm. Because they have a lot of single mothers, they wanted to, to, to start thinking of ways of how to help them. So they were thinking of open up, opening up a lifestyle spending account specifically for groceries. Now, with inflation, getting a little bit of help in groceries makes a huge impact, especially on single mothers, right? So the, the types of benefits or services that a lifestyle spending account can pay for are pretty much endless. But one of the things that you have to keep in mind is who is your employee population and are they really going to use this money? Any funds that are not used, go they stay with you as the employer. So you get the benefit of offering this this great service or this great benefit. And if they don't use it, then you don't you don't lose anything or you don't forfeit any funds. I got you. But just want to ask if anybody has any questions, go ahead and drop them in the chat and we'll get to them. So are the lifestyle spending accounts, are they sort of like healthcare spending accounts, but just not for health? Right. They're, they, they're not healthcare. The IRS won't allow that because you should be able to offer other types of services or other type of accounts for the health, for the health piece. So if you're thinking of offering a a benefit or an account that's going to help with, with to cover out-of-pocket expenses, start looking for something like a flexible spending account or start doing a little bit of homework on that. The flexible spending accounts are going to help employees pay for out-of-pocket costs. So those are those things that health insurance won't cover, your co-pays or deductibles, a lot of over-the-counter items, dental, vision expenses. With the flexible spending accounts, they're they're also pre-tax, which means that the employee saves money on FICA and FUTA, 
and so does the employer. So these are great if you're thinking, okay, I want to help my employees, but I want it to be tied to healthcare somehow. A flexible spending account is great. As the employer, you can put a little bit of money if you want to, and the employee can also fund the account with pre-tax money, so pre-tax dollars. If maybe you decide, you know what, I don't want my employee to put any money into the flexible spending account, then something like a healthcare reimbursement arrangement will be great. Those are funded solely by the employer. You can say, I'm going to give all of my full-time employees or all, all of my employees, regardless of us, $500 for the entire plan year. And they can use this money to pay for or to cover prescriptions, dental expenses, vision expenses, co-pays, deductibles. And then again, the HRA or the health reimbursement arrangements are solely funded by the employer. So it's another great benefit and it allows you to control what your employees are going to use the money for. I see we've got a question from Beth on those lifestyle spending accounts. Beth, do you want to ask that? Sure. So it sounds like the lifestyle account is somewhat restricted and absolutely love the idea. I'm kind of reading my... <laughs> but what does happen with accountability in terms of from the employer standpoint, you know, tracking receipts and do you have to payroll, track all of that and yeah, the accountability part. Yeah, I love that. Great question. With the lifestyle spending account, you can administer internally, but yes, you will need to figure out a way to keep track of how the money is being used, right? If we're giving you $500 to pay for groceries, are you really paying for groceries or are you going to the movies? So the receipt requests can be ideal or, or necessary. What I suggest is that you hire a third-party administrator to take care of that for you. So they would be responsible for the, the, the entire, like the compliance issues, but also to make sure that employees are using the funds in the right way. There are two ways to give access to the employees for, for that LSA money. One of them is through manual claim reimbursements. So they went to Harris Teeter or Publix or choose your poison, choose your, gro choose your gro grocery store. They went and they purchased all of their groceries then they submit a claim with that receipt and then they receive the reimbursement. That's one way. The second way, which is the, I think the, the friendliest way is with a card. It's a benefits card or an LSA card that is funded with that money. And it's, it's coded specifically for grocery stores. So the employee will be able to go to Hair Theater or Publix, and then purchase their, their groceries in that manner just by swiping the card. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. George has a question too, or maybe it's a comment. George, you want to weigh in? Yeah, sure. Sure. You know, no, thank you. When, okay. I, when I saw the announcement about this, I'm an advocate for Medicare for All. I'm a retired physician. And it, it, it always makes me feel bad to see discussions like this because of all the effort that employers and small business uh, leaders are, are trying to do to provide this benefit. And that's many times a financial impossibility. And wow. there, there's lots of evidence that once we get to Medicare for all, it's really going to benefit small businesses, probably more than, than the, the large corporations. And, 
and we're we're trying to educate more small business owners about the benefits available in Medicare for All and hope that they will join us in lobbying elected representatives to try to move this down the path. So I'm happy to answer any questions, but don't want to distract from your discussion here, but did provide links for more information about this if anybody's interested and would right. love to have small business owners join us in our advocacy. So thank yeah, you. Put the link in there, healthcarejusticenc.org. I think you put it in there in the chat. I mean, what a, Martha, what is the outlook for, you know, a government maybe doing something that, that would be helpful, you know, if not immediately, you know, in, in the long term? Yes. I think, thank you, George, for that question. So, or that comment, as the population, you know, ages, I think the government is, it's, it's not blind to it. And it is looking to increase the benefits for Medicare and for Medicare individuals. I don't have exact numbers as far as, you know, how much that is going to increase, but it's definitely something that we all should start thinking about and considering now. And then of course, employers that have those Medicare eligible employees, talk to your broker, see if there is something that they can do for them as far as the health insurance that you're offering. Sometimes employees will decide to stay in the group plan because they're afraid of going into Medicare or, you know, some taboo subject, but it could be it could be more beneficial for them to be on Medicare than to be on your group health insurance. So definitely talk to your broker because it, it, it all really depends on the on the coverage that you're offering. Got it. Hey, can I ask you? So, are, um, what are some of the new trends? What are some of the things that pe- you get asked about a lot, or is there anything that's sort of emerging or new or, or different? Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that I've seen that are, are are trending are plans that offer nurse navigators. So, if you have a benefits plan or if you have group health insurance. Talk to your broker, take a look to see if they have a nurse navigator. A nurse navigator is is someone that can help your employees find providers that are going to meet their needs. Things like surgeries, CT scans, prescriptions, et cetera. They link these employees to surgical centers of excellence, specialty clinics, and then they do all of this while keeping the employee in the plans network, which is going to save the employer money. But also it's going to give those employees the best care for their needs. So nurse navigators are becoming more pronounced on the on the healthcare space. Another thing that that I'm seeing a lot are employers offering nutrition services. So telenutrition services are fairly new. What they are is they bring in nutritional counselors and the registered dietitians. And they get to speak to your employees. A lot of this is covered by your health insurance plan already. So um, what I've seen is that employers are are kind of digging in more into their current group health plan package and seeing, okay, what, what is already here that I should bring forward or I should call attention out to my employees? Nutritional services is one of those. You know, as we said unhealthy employees tend to cost the plan more, but also it decreases productivity for that, you know, for that employee. So if you can help them speak to a nutritional counselor, that would be great. It will definitely not only help them 
work-wise, but also in every area of their lives. Got it. Really all the questions I've got, if anybody has you know, any final questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. But I guess the, the final question, Martha, would be, is there anything I didn't ask you about? Is there anything that employers should know that we didn't get to today? Well, I think it was a, it was a great conversation. Thank you. I think we covered a lot of, of topics. Of course, you know, after a conversation, maybe you'll have some questions. So feel free to reach out. Feel free to reach out to an interview, multiple brokers. That is the one thing that I guess I would leave you guys with. Talk to your broker, find a good broker that's going to work for you, that is going to help you create a good benefits package that's going to align your budget with your needs. Obviously, sometimes your budget might not meet all of the needs of your employees, but you can find a good, happy medium. So make sure that you're looking for a broker that's going to work for you. Well, thanks, Martha. And thanks to everybody uh, who tuned in today. I'm Tony Messia with The Charlotte Ledger. You can find out more about The Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. You can find out more about Catapult at letscatapult.org. And Martha, thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about The Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.